Welcome to this podcast by the National Institute of Economic and Social Research, NISA. I am Paola Buonadonna. Since before the EU referendum, the Institute has been kept very busy researching the impact of various possible forms of Brexit on the UK economy. And suddenly, here we are. Just a handful of weeks away from Britain's exit from the EU, with no agreement on the exit deal in sight and faced by the very real possibility of a no deal. Today I'm joined by Arno Hanscher, a senior economist here at NISA, to discuss the economic implications of a no deal scenario. But Arno, before we start, can you give us an idea of what has been the thrust of NISA forecasts since we started modelling Brexit? Well, ever since uh, EU membership and Brexit have featured in the public debate, uh, the Institute tried to contribute to this debate by uh, publishing analyses of the uh, potential economic impact of Brexit. Now, what these analyses have consistently shown is that leaving a large trading bloc like the EU will uh, leave the country uh, less prosperous than it would otherwise be. What are the reasons for that? Well, the higher costs of trade mean uh, Exports are going to be lower, imports are going to be more costly, less competition between UK firms and uh, firms in the EU are likely going to have uh, an impact on productivity in the UK. So ultimately, the long-run impact will depend on the future trading relationship and the degree to which uh, trade is going to be affected will have implications for the economic impact of any form of Brexit. So in other words, the closer the trading relationship that Britain might have post-Brexit, the lesser the economic impact on Britain. That, that is right, exactly. So if uh, there would be not too much of a change in the, uh, in the trading relationship, we wouldn't see too much or wouldn't expect too much of an, uh, of an impact on economic activity as a whole. We were the first actually to publish an, an analysis of the government's proposed Brexit deal back in November, which uh, showed that if the UK would uh, enter a free trade agreement with the EU, then in the long run, something like 10 years out, GDP per capita, which is a measure of uh, the country's welfare overall, would be some uh, 3% lower compared to continued EU membership. But if we were to trade under WTO terms, if there was a no-deal situation, then in the long run the difference would be uh, around 4%. This is uh, what our estimates suggest. So we've uh, shown consistently that there is going to be some uh, economic impact of Brexit on the economy. We've also uh, made repeatedly clear that uh, there is a lot of uncertainty around these estimates and this is because um, no country has ever left the EU. Mm -hmm. So we are very much uncertain about the uh, size of uh, such an impact, but the uh, direction of the impact seems to be fairly clear. And so to be absolutely clear, under every scenario that you have been modelling, the country is worse off but it might be just a little bit or a lot, depending on the intensity of uh, the trade relationship with the rest of the bloc. Exactly. Under any scenario in which the uh, UK leaves the EU, you would expect the negative effects to outweigh whatever positive effects there may be. Now, let's turn our attention to, to our latest quarterly forecast. They were, they were published just last week, and they are the last before Britain is, is due to leave the EU. What are the key points? What we found in the data and in surveys is that uh, uncertainty around Brexit is uh, really one of the key risks and has already taken a toll on economic performance. 
for instance, investment growth has been negative in every quarter of uh, last year, 2018. At the same time, uh, global growth uh, was uh, revised down. So our global forecast has, uh, has weakened somewhat compared to the previous forecast we published in autumn. And that provides less of a buffer to uh, whatever happens in the UK. At the same time, uh, we find that the uh, labour market in the UK continues to be strong. Unemployment is at a record low and uh, wages, wage growth is now finally picking up and public finance data seems quite uh, favourable. What we did is we conditioned our central forecasts on a scenario in which the uh, trading relationship between the UK and the EU re uh, remains relatively untouched over the next uh, few years, two or three years. So, so you're assuming, as it were, a soft Brexit? This could come about either as uh, the result of a soft Brexit or some sort of Brexit deal, which means that the uh, UK undergoes a transition period in which uh, the country then uh, remains a member of the single market and customs union well for uh, two or three years. However, uncertainty is likely to remain quite high, uh, especially in the first half of this year. And this is why we now expect uh, GDP growth to be around 1.5% uh, this year and uh, only slightly higher, 1.7% next year. As opposed to what? What could it have been, do you think, without these... Uh, clouds on the horizon? This is very hard to tell. I mean, um, we revised our forecast for this year down uh, from 1.9% last year down to 1.5% mm. because of, partly because of higher uncertainty, uh, amongst the other reasons that I'd mentioned before. Um, but it is hard to tell. Um, there are estimates that suggest that um, because of uh, uncertainty around Brexit, investment growth has been annual investment growth uh, has been some uh, 3% uh, lower than it would uh, otherwise have been, but it is very hard to construct. It's hard to pinpoint exactly how the factors are playing, but there is already a Brexit effect, even though the country hasn't left. Uh, there seems you're to observing have uh, been that. already some uh, yeah. Brexit effect on the UK economy. Nevertheless, you continue to base your central case on a, on a, on a soft Brexit or on a transition of some kind, which will soften the blow. However, you also produce, side by side with this, an analysis of what a no-deal Brexit would involve. Why did you look at that? We've been doing that for a while now um, because it is hard to produce an economic forecast in an environment where um, the outcome could be in at completely different ends of the spectrum. Now, while we think that uh, the probability of uh, an outcome where the UK remains uh, tightly linked to the EU, at least in the near term, we think that this outcome is probably having sli a slightly higher probability than other, any other outcomes. Um, there is a material risk that uh, we end up in a no-deal situation, no agreement uh, might be reached and uh, that means the uh, UK may have to trade under WTO terms as early as April this year. Without any transition period, because that, that, that would be the op oh, yeah, uh, that would be one of the results of a, of a no deal Brexit. Would be that exactly. one of the consequences? Would be that. So I've talked about sort of like the long term effects this may have, but uh, if it would come to that situation, I think it is important to turn the debate to uh, the question: How can we deal? with the, the implications of this decision. So while um, we've uh, 
sort of engaged in hypothetical discussions of what the differences in the long run impact may be, it will then become relevant uh, to policymakers and the public to know how can we uh, help ease the uh, transition to that new reality of a of a no deal Brexit. And the conclusion you come in your analysis is that it will not be allowed to be the economic catastrophe that some describe it to be, simply because when it becomes obvious that that's the w way things are going, policies can kick in to mitigate the effect. Policymakers will face a difficult decision. They could either really alleviate the immediate pain to the economy as a whole and uh, spread the costs of adju uh, adjustment over a longer period of time, or they could let the economy undergo that uh, shock immediately. Um, we believe, and history suggests, that uh, policymakers will do the former rather than the latter, so they will support the economy in the short run. Uh, what could that mean in practice? Well, it could mean that monetary policy will not react to uh, the rise of inflation that we would expect would um, happen in the case of a no-deal Brexit as the pound uh, depreciates. This could prevent a substantial economic slowdown within the first two years after Brexit happens, uh, stabilize GDP growth uh, instead but it would make households uh, suffer from higher prices and therefore lower real earnings. We think uh, because of that, uh, fiscal policy could and should probably step in um, and provide direct support to households in the form of, for example, lower taxes or uh, higher transfers. All of this, however, depends on the judgment whether Brexit will affect the supply side of the economy or the demand side of the economy more. Let me give you a, a couple of uh, mm. examples. Um, if uh, a no-deal Brexit means that uh, there are severe disruptions at the border which uh, contingency measures uh, can't, can't even cope with and therefore uh, value chains, supply chains are going to be interrupted, uh, we would say this, is a, this would be a, a severe supply side effect. If uh, a no-deal Brexit uh, leads to a decline in consumer and investor, investor confidence, then this would be more of a demand uh, side shock. Now, if the uh, demand side shock dominates, then there, there would be room for policy in the short run. If, however, that supply side shock uh, dominates, um, this would mean that uh, inflationary pressure would be higher. Um, in that case, the Bank of England, as the monetary policymaker, would uh, have to base its decision on uh, the judgment on whether inflation expectations will remain anchored. So whether households and uh, consumers and, uh, and uh, firms continue to expect that inflation will uh, move down to the Bank of England's, uh, Bank of England's target of 2% uh, after some time. And, uh, and workers will accept lower real wages uh, in return. Now, in the recent past, when we saw periods of higher inflation, um, we saw that exactly that happened. Uh, the Bank of England saw through these episodes of higher inflation. This meant that wages were lower, real wages were lower than, uh, than otherwise, um, and would only adjust uh, uh, in, the, in the medium run, if you want. And merely day after our forecast came out, uh, Mark Khan himself seemed to confirm that the bank would not react in a mechanical way. Exactly. To, to so. While the banks of initial um, 
scenario analysis of uh, no deal Brexit su uh, suggested or was based on the assumption of a very mechanical response in which the bank would respond to every automatically uh, like, yes. uh, index point uh, fire inflation. The uh, bank has now indicated, if you think rightly so, that uh, it will not respond in such a mechanic way, but uh, might be likely to see through uh, higher um, levels of inflation in the short run. Now, people often try to interpret what we say as giving comfort to one or, or the other side of the debate. So if a no-deal Brexit is not going to be a catastrophe in our analysis, um, does it mean that we're agreeing with those who've been crying project fear? Well, I would say that our sort of like short-term analysis is consistent with our earlier work on uh, the long-term economic impact. All we are saying is that um, there will be some adjustment to a longer run um, situation where prosperity in the UK is lower than it would otherwise be um, compared to well uh, continued EU membership. The question is how do we get to that uh, new reality and we think that policy can um, have an impact in the short run to spread the costs of adjustment. However, there are a number of caveats. Um, for example, monetary and fiscal policy, they are generally blunt instruments. Uh, it's very hard to sort of target them, um, which means that there will be winners and losers uh, of a no-deal Brexit. Another sort of caveat or uh, implication of that spreading of so like costs is that uh, public and private debt levels will be higher than otherwise and this will make the economy more vulnerable to shocks that may not have to do anything with the Brexit. For example, a global growth slowdown or uh, increased levels of uh, protectionism, uh, a weaker Chinese uh, economy, etc. Other things are happening in the world and to an extent that uh, both uh, policy making and uh, economic planning are very much concerned with Brexit um, this sort of like leaves the, the economy more vulnerable to, to these other shocks. It's harder to respond appropriately to, to other shocks that may affect the UK economy. And now, should we avoid the most damaging type of Brexit? And, uh, and should we um, uh, manage to have a deal in place, your central case, if you like, at, at the very last minute? Because we're getting to the very last minute now. There is much talk again of a Brexit dividend of some kind. Can you explain what is meant by a Brexit dividend and does it still apply? Well, the Chancellor sort of uh, used that word Brexit, uh, Brexit dividend to refer to a potential short-term boost to economic activ activity and to confidence from the uh, process of lifting uncertainty around Brexit as a deal is struck. The problem now is that this moment has almost passed. So we are, what, uh, less than two months away from the Brexit date, as it is sort of like uh, written down at the moment. And it's still not clear what the, uh, uh, whether there's going to be a transition period and what the ultimate uh, Brexit outcome will be. So uh, rather than sort of like lifting this uncertainty, uncertainty has almost become so there's, there's almost uh, more uncertainty in the economy, which, as we've discussed, discussed at the beginning, seems to have already had an impact, impact on the economy and will have an impact on the economy. So there is not going to be this particular type of, well, you can call it Brexit dividend or 
short-term economic boost from from uh, fear. And we can see that the less, latest less yeah the, the 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 latest data on GDP uh, shows that the economy really has slowed down already. Exactly. Only uh, yesterday, uh, our latest GDP tracker analysis of uh, short-run activity in the economy suggests that uh, because uncertainty continues, um, growth in the uh, in the first quarter of this year is going to be as low as uh, 0.2%. And what is true as well is that uh, we are now in a more difficult position than uh, we were right after the uh, referendum. After the referendum, we estimate that around uh, 0.6 percentage points of the 1.8% growth, GDP growth in uh, 2017, can be attributed to stronger global growth, in particular uh, stronger growth in the euro area. Mm -hmm. Now, the opposite is sort of like happening at the moment. For example, in our latest forecast, we've uh, revised German GDP growth down from 1.8% uh, to 1.3% and Italy seems to have entered a recession. So there's much less of an economic buffer that uh, could uh, help ease pressures in the, uh, in the UK economy than there was right after the referendum and this provides a much more difficult environment for the UK as it sort of uh, moves to one Brexit outcome or another. We haven't got long to wait, only a few weeks, and then we shall know. But this is all we've got time for today. Many thanks again to Arno. You can find more information about our latest forecast on our website on www.nisa.ac.uk. But for now, goodbye.